Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Hello, good morning. We're here as a little extra bonus pod for you this week on the morning after the night before in this season of extraordinary progress for the club. We wanted to reflect upon the momentous occasion of Newcastle actually winning a match in the League Cup. Well, barely, but they did, and via penalties, which is it makes it even more of an extraordinary start to this season. I would like to, to welcome George Colkin. Unfortunately, Taylor's busy today, but George is here. So, George, how, how did you enjoy last night sitting next to me in the press box? Well, that was always a pleasure, Chris. Never, never, never a chore. Never never an irritation to me as you attempt to explain the rudimentary rules of football to me whilst watching a match. I mean, I'm I'm happy, but I'm I'm furious as well. I'm furiously happy or happily furious. If you know my views on penalties, which I know you do, this won't come as a surprise to you, but we'll come on to that. You should also tell people that this is pod on the time, which you ne- neglected to do right at the start, but this is pod on the time. Um, but should we have a listen to Taylor now? Yes, let's go for that. Just back in the house from the uh, the Crystal Palace game in the Carabao Cup. Newcastle managed to go through on penalties. Uh, an absolutely awful game of football. One of the worst I've seen in a long time. Neither team could string a pass together. Uh, and it came down to Nick Pope in the middle of our goal to, uh, to be the hero. Um, after Bruno could have been the hero and took one of the most ridiculous penalties I've ever seen in my life. Uh, it was a strange night at St James's Park, slightly sort of flat atmosphere, a few changes from Eddie Howe, um, I thought the team looked like it should have been strong enough to get through in the 90 minutes, uh, 90 minutes of absolute tedium followed by five minutes of drama though, uh, and at least we're through, um, that's all I can say really, it's uh, it's a good job that Nick Pope was there to make those three penalty saves because, I mean, to be honest, neither team really deserved to to win the game in the 90 minutes. Uh, and I took my youngest son with me tonight thinking, this is it. I'm going to convert him. It's time for him to become a true black and whiter. Uh, and in traditional fashion, we were absolute dog shit. And he was bored for the majority of the match. Uh, so I don't think <laughs> I don't think he want, he'll want to come back. Uh, but there you go. And Newcastle threw on penalties. Nick Pope, the hero. Um, they looked like a different team when they brought Trippier, Botman, uh, Armoron, Bruno onto the pitch. Um, we were so ponderous and slow, uh, the way we moved the ball. It just kind of exposes the, the fact that there's not a great deal of quality and depth in that squad. But, you know, on the night, we made it through, and that's the main thing. Anyway, onwards and upwards. Well, yes, without Taylor, this is a bit of a shambles, as we always expected it to be. But but we will uh, 
like Newcastle United last night, George, we will power through and we will make sure we get right to the very end. But that means that sort of entails bringing on the big guns like Eddie Howe has done in both cup matches so far. Who have we got on the subs bench today, Chris? We haven't got anybody, have we? No, just silence would probably be better than us two, though. Just silence, yeah. We'll bring on silence in a little bit. Yes, but before we get onto the silence, before, dear listener, I'm sure you're excited for that moment, we will... Uh, speak to you for a little bit. And first of all, let's chat about rotation. And both Newcastle and Crystal Palace were guilty, in my opinion, of a heck of a lot of rotation. Seven changes for Newcastle United, six for Crystal Palace, so 13 across the two teams. And it sort of felt like two teams who hadn't really played together that much this season, didn't it, George? It did. Yes, it had that. Um, it had that strange feeling all round, didn't it? It was. Um, it was. It felt like a flat team. It was a flat atmosphere. The two. Those two things sort of bounced off each other in a not positive way, and um, it made made for a difficult game of football. I mean, I hate rotation as a point of principle. I do. I always want. You know, I'd always want Newcastle to name their strongest team for cup games. I do think there's a bit of mitigation this time simply because of the uh, three games in a week. Obviously, Newcastle in the top three now. Huge game against Chelsea. And then there's the World Cup there as well. Does Eddie Howe have a duty of care to the players, probably, or hopefully going to the World Cup? I think maybe. But And also, I mean, I think another another part of Newcastle's story this season has been how players who've been drafted into the team when we haven't expected them to be, whether it's Dan Byrne at left-back, whether it's Sean Longstaff, in midfield, Almiron, of course, you know, making that position his own, etc., etc. One of those, Murphy, you know, one of those stories has been how the fringe players have come on and been really good. And so there was less of a feeling for me, certainly going into the game, that this was a weakened Newcastle team. However, Newcastle very much proved otherwise. Yeah, I think we disagreed on this point during the game. And I mean, you, when the, the big guns came on during the second half, when Trippier... Bruno Gimaraes and Sven Botman came on to the loudest cheer up until penalties of the night. Yeah. You sort of said, oh, well, you know, this is what happened at, 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 at Tranmere. Newcastle brought on the big guns and it sort of changed. And you almost were suggesting that in that sense, the ends justify the means, you know, just do things the other way around. Yeah. I disagree with that point. I thought there was too many changes. I'm all for making a few changes. A, because for all the reasons you you mentioned, B, because the players who haven't been starting games, they would have been expecting to hopefully get an opportunity in the League Cup and you have to at least give a few of them. I just thought seven changes was too many. I thought four or five might have been enough and it just felt like there wasn't enough continuity one match to another, particularly in the defence. I thought the defence looked disjointed and then that impacted on the midfield and going forward. And really, neither side were very good. I mean, Palace were exactly the same. Although I thought they shaded the first half, and the castle probably shaded the second, but it was just a turgid football match, and I think the the, the changes affected that. Yeah, no, to- I totally, I totally get that. I do think it's quite an interesting tactic, though. And yeah, I mean, I'm not, you know, I was kind of joking. Here come the big guns. Here come the big guns. But that was the one difference between the two squads last night was that Newcastle, you know, Callum Wilson apart, they did have those big players on the bench, and we were sort of joking. Mm, I bet Bruno's going to be up for this. I bet Kieran's really going to be up for this. You know, putting their bodies on the line with the World Cup so close. But to be fair, on the touchline, they couldn't wait to get on. I mean, they were really busting a gut to get on. And when they did come on, as you said, there was that huge ovation and immediately the crowd lifted. I know it took to penalties for Newcastle to kind of get through, but the tactic worked. I mean, it did work more or less. And Palace didn't have the same 
quality of player to bring on. You know, they went a different way. But I have to say, I mean, you and I were were laughing, and as we got, it felt like the most this is going to penalties game ever, didn't it? And I should say this this will probably be a trigger warning for for some people listening to this, but I actually brought up the piece I wrote from Burnley, the League Cup game against. No, no, Burnley no, 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 no. Let's rewind a little bit. You what? didn't even remember that game which you were at. I had to remind you about this game. Then you. Well, you did. Up. So yes, let, let, you let's, did. let's give the actual well, getting, game events. Get it. That's fine. Getting old is a terrible thing. You shouldn't make mockery of it, Chris. But um, but anyway, and it it felt like such a sort of reversal to that type of football and that time it was a you know terrible game as we both said um <clears throat> anyway Steve Bruce said in this Burnley game last season when of course Newcastle do go out on penalties he said I think we haven't done a lot wrong even though we haven't won yet he said okay we've gone out of the cup but we didn't lose tonight so you know so you know there's just that sort of you knew you knew what he meant you knew what he was trying to get to say but it just the bleakness of that occasion. My last paragraph in the piece that I wrote from a game which, yet again, you bottled, usually as you do for all South Coast and Burnley matches. So my last paragraph for this piece. So p- please forgive me, this is very self-indulgent, but I wanted to just remind everybody about the bleakness of Newcastle back then. So here's my last paragraph. I was very, very pleased with the way we played, Bruce said. I was delighted to keep a clean sheet, which we've spoken about over the last week. There were a lot of positives, a lot of individual players who've played very, very well, who have done themselves no harm at all in getting into the team, end quote. And then I say, that was an upbeat assessment, but there are others, and from here, May looks very distant. Burnley were ordinary. Burnley didn't lose either. Burnley are through. <laughs> so, when I say that I'm delighted, I am I am absolutely delighted that Newcastle have gone through, and I'm just delighted that that game last night felt like a one well was a one off in the context of what's happened um to the team in the past in the oh god I'm, I'm getting i'm getting like horrible shivers up my spine sort of thinking about that and I, I sort of also said even in those games that newcastle do win back then what is to, you know to what is the end what's the bigger picture who at the club is setting targets well newcastle got through and that was the important thing and on a night when Lots of other big clubs didn't get through. There's an opportunity there, isn't there? There is, and I mean, it was a club record crowd for uh, this competition for Newcastle. They've the most that they've watched Newcastle uh, since the 1976 semi-final. So, 51,660 supporters were in St James's Park, which is astonishing for a League Cup third round, particularly Brilliant. particularly when. They've seen 13 changes across the two games, uh, across the two teams, sorry. But yeah, the atmosphere felt a little bit low. It felt at times that the, the, the because the players on the pitch sort of lacked a bit of rhythm and intensity, then that sort of infiltrated into the crowd, and I think vice versa. And really, they didn't get they didn't have anything to get them going. And it meandered through. You said early on it felt like it was going to head to penalties. Obviously, it did. There was very few chances. Nick Pope made a very good save from Mateta. Dan Byrne had a header where he probably should have scored. Beyond that, you're really scratching around to think of chances that sides had. And so, eventually, the inevitable happens. Penalty shootout arrives. And Newcastle's record before last night was played 12 penalty shootouts. Won two. Had never won a penalty shootout at St. James's Park in a competitive match. And what was interesting was that it's that, that Newcastle didn't have their penalty takers fully decided beforehand. And just in front of the press box is where the players are discussing. And, and, and I overheard Kieran Trippier 
speak to Joe Linton and it sounded very much like basically what he said to him was step up. Yeah, you can step up for this. And and that he sort of encouraged Joe Linton to, the Joe Linton must have sort of almost volunteered and said, I could if you want. And Kieran Trippier told him to step up. Obviously, Joe Linton was one of Newcastle's penalty takers eventually. Um, and it was... The, the way that the way that it went, it was the the, the penalties were up at the Leeses end, which seemed like Palace must have won the toss because I think Newcastle would have gone to the Gallagher end if they had won. So Newcastle go first, they score through Chris Wood. Crystal Palace miss the first penalty, uh, saved. Kieran Trippier scores, and uh, Newcastle are going along well. And then Joe Linton also scores, so Kieran Trippier's uh, chat seems to have worked well. Newcastle seem to be cruising through, and then unfortunately Sven Botman sees his penalty saved and then we get further on it looks again like Newcastle have another opportunity because Nick Pope's made a save but we will get on to now the penalty debate the one that we know exercises George more than just about anything else penalty to twat or not to twat George well to twat uh, Chris to twat to answer your question as succinctly as I as I can yes this is where the feelings of fury are now sort of coming back into my uh, sinews and muscles and I can feel my back and shoulders tension uh, you know get full of tension um to twat always to twat I mean so this was um being discussed on Twitter I was struggling to remember the match where I got really annoyed about twatting or not twatting my contention and I stick to this, is that the only good penalty is a twatted penalty. is a penalty struck with firmness by um, a footballer who takes a reasonable run-up, decides where to hit the ball, and then strikes the ball. It doesn't have to be, you know, an absolute rocket, a howitzer of a shot. It can be placed. All of Newcastle's penalties last night, barring one, were struck firmly, and they were good penalties. I don't think Botman's penalty was a bad penalty. There was one horror story of a penalty. Now, I love Bruno. We all love Bruno, so that's the starting point. And he can sort of do no wrong, as far as I'm concerned. But <sighs> he gave himself a 100-yard run-up for his penalty. That's the first thing. If he'd, if he'd run at full tilt towards the ball from that point, he'd have been exhausted by the time he got there. So that was unnecessary. That was totally unnecessary. And then he did that ridiculous... Uh, what do you, how would you how do you describe it? Look, I, I, I don't know. St- it's like dancing feet, feet, wasn't it? Yeah, like st- dancing. The dancing feet thing. The dancing feet. And at that point, I'm already well. He's missed this because that's my natural assumption for all those penalties. And then he just stops, and then he hits it, and of course it's. Does he miss it or was it saved? I can't. Yeah, remember. went over the bar. Yeah. Went over the bar, and it's just like, why do that? Why, why, why do that? If if you if you score it, you look like a twat. A clever clogs, and if you miss it, there is nothing worse than that. It's like it looks so stupid. He is a supremely talented footballer who, if he just stood, had a five yard run up, you know, whatever, strikes the ball, the keeper's not going to get it unless it's an absolute fluke. You don't need to do that. You confuse your own body, you confuse your own head. You don't particularly confuse the goalkeeper. You don't want the keeper to have that confusion in his head. Any kind of confusion at that point helps him because it makes anyway. Normally, I would say, and I said to you last night that that is an instant two-week fine as far as I'm concerned. However, I think there are different circumstances with Bruno. So um, I do think there should be consistency in punishment. But what I'm saying is, as a result of that horrific, heinous, disgraceful 
act that we saw on the football pitch. Bruno Guimaraes should, at this point, be awarded an immediate two-year contract extension, which he has to see out at Newcastle. That's the punishment I'm giving him. He has to stay for another two years, serve out his punishment, and we can watch him for another how many years on his contract. Fair? Very fair. And I think from Bruno Guimaraes' point of view, to, to have missed a penalty like that for Newcastle in the League Cup probably saved him a little bit of embarrassment for if Brazil do get to a penalty shootout and he tries to take. Hopefully he'll have learned his lesson and that will not be the case. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Before we get on to this, the hero for Newcastle United, let's just hear Eddie Howe's post-match reaction. And it's, it's fair to say he was a relieved manager. I don't think it was a, a great performance from us. I thought we were a little bit disjointed. I think there's valid reasons for that. A lot of the players hadn't played for a long period of time. Uh, coming together as a group, I thought they gave everything, but we, we weren't particularly fluid in our play. But we improved with the introduction of the substitutes. It made a real difference to the team. But we couldn't force a goal in normal time, so we had to do it the hard way. No, really good to get through. However you get through, you prefer to do it in normal time, but if it's a penalty shootout, you've still got to find a way. And indebted to Nick with some great saves. I've got to say, the first penalty save I thought was right out of the top draw. There was actually a save in, in the first half that, again, I thought was right out of the top draw as well. So it wasn't just in the penalty shootout. But he's been doing that for us all season. He's a very... Um, commanding figure but he's kept goal with such low um, fuss I think it sort of goes unnoticed what a difference he's made we know whoever we face in the next round it's going to be difficult We're through to the last 16 that, that was our task before the game obviously more Premier League team goes out then yeah probably that, that raises your percentages chances of uh, going further in the competition so we'll see who we get we will indeed see who Newcastle get we'll find out after Manchester United play Aston Villa Tonight, this that's Thursday evening uh, in in the League Cup. But really, yeah, Newcastle are indebted to one of the few players who remained in the starting lineup. Uh, Nick Pope was retained in goal. Loris Carius was on the bench. Caldwell had been at the weekend, but he wasn't trusted enough to start. And instead, Howe stuck with his England national goalkeeper, and he showed really what he can do from for a penalty shot. I mean, there's some of the saves, George, were really, really good saves, weren't they? Oh, just astonishing! Yeah, I mean to to have three saves like that in a in the space of a shootout, as opposed to you know like Bruno the ball flying over the flying over the crossbar or wide or whatever, just just really really good. And he just projects that sense of solidity and goal 
we know he's capable of of kind of amazing saves during games, but he just has that presence. He was doing there was a bit of shithousery going on as well during that during that shootout. He was walking forward with the ball under his arm when Palace were taking penalties. The referee was moving him back. He was then carrying the ball to Newcastle's player, giving them a G up. He was sort of doing all that, but he has this he has this presence, you know, in shootout. Part it's partially you know diving the right way. And I mean that's 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 partially guesswork. There was that, but he he just projects that presence in goal, doesn't he? There was that astonishing save he made with his legs in the first half as well. Just he's been a he's been an outstanding. Was it not with his arm? Keeper. Well, I don't know. I'm pretty sure it was his right arm. I'm pretty sure Mateta was. Well, know. whatever arm, leg. It's all connected to the same general mass of flesh. Um, who, needs if, de- who needs details, George? Who needs details? Well, uh, yeah, you're, you're right. Who, who does need details? I'm very much a man for the bigger picture. Well, that's very good. And the bigger picture for Newcastle United is that they are in the cup draw for the fourth round. The last 16 of the League Cup. Other teams, we cannot say the same about Chelsea went out last night. Arsenal. Arsenal Spurs, West Ham. Newcastle are in... The draw with Blackburn. I think Jill and him are still in there, aren't they? So there are there are some teams who you look at and think, oh, it's fancy Newcastle to be them at home. I mean, Manchester City are still in there. Liverpool are still in there, still in there. Either Manchester United or, or Aston Villa are going to be there. But it looks like the draw has very much opened up and it will be the first match for Newcastle back now after the World Cup break because they are through in this round. They will play in the midweek leading up to Christmas before their Boxing Day trip to Leicester City. And in terms of both for the League Cup campaign and for the League campaign, do you think that is a bonus for Howe and Newcastle George to have that game to play back in before the, the league resumes? Well, I mean, they're still in the League Cup, so that's brilliant. I mean, I want Newcastle to stay in the Cups forever, so that's the most important thing to say. But actually, I do, yeah. I think um, I think sort of having having that game straight away is great. The important thing right now is that it means momentum continues ahead of you know, ahead of Chelsea. I'm sure that the atmosphere against Chelsea would have been fantastic no matter what happened uh, in the League Cup. But I think it's just really important. How made the point last night that it is it is good for those players who were involved. It means that they've all got that same winning feeling that the rest of the squad has. does give them football. That's important. And the whole thing carries on. So in every respect, it's good. And at this point, I should also point out, normally we'd be plugging our piece from from after the match. If you remember, Chris, before Tranmere, another trip you bottled out of, I went down there and sort of wanted to mark Newcastle's new approach to the cup in a in a new way, in a, in a different way, in in how we tackled those matches. And we've called it Newcastle's Great Cup, cup Odyssey. Slightly t- tongue-in-cheek because, of course, it's been so long since they've won anything. But the second part, and thankfully there will be a third in the League Cup. The second part has been written by our colleague, brilliant colleague, Michael Walker, who's done something very different. And by the time this pod comes out, that'll be available to read. Michael's a fantastic writer, so I can't wait to to see how he's approached the match. Likewise, although I don't think he's going to forgive either of us for making him go to the game last night, having, <laughs> having to sit through that. So it was. Uh, I, we, both, you and I were both very grateful that we didn't have to write anything on the back of it. So yeah, instead, we're doing something around the England squad announcement, which is going to be at 2pm today, so that's Thursday. So George and I are writing a piece about Newcastle United and about their real English core now and their sort of identity and that really this is going to be a historic squad for Newcastle United. But just finally, before we sign off, 
Last night, as we've said, result brilliant in the end. Night, not brilliant, not not quite what we expected. Are you still looking forward to Newcastle signing off for the World Cup break at home to Chelsea on Saturday at half five, George, in front of another sellout crowd? How can I not be? How could I not be? I mean, that's the thing. It's like I had a brief chat last night with the Gallagher Shots lads who were who were in the posh seats in the stadium, and it's still, you know, it is that sense of not accepting that Newcastle might actually win a game of football. It's you know that is still my base default position in in my head, and then when they get through, it still is this kind of beautiful pleasure, this beautiful surprise, and. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the Chelsea game. There's no apprehension, you know. There's nothing to fear in my, in my uh, opinion. That's not to say that I expect Newcastle to win, but I do expect them to have a go. I do expect them to make things difficult for Chelsea, and I expect Chelsea almost to rear back from the atmosphere that faces them because it'll be very different from the cup game. It'll be an electric atmosphere. Everybody will have been on the drink since uh, eleven o'clock, and it'll be. Fantastic. Can't wait. And whatever happens on Saturday, we know that Newcastle are going to go into the break in a top four position. That is ludicrous, but it's also deserved. And yeah, bring it on. Bring it on. Just to repeat that, Newcastle United will be in the top four at Christmas. They will be above Chelsea regardless of what happens this weekend, but hopefully they sign off and make their position even stronger. Now, next week, as we mentioned on the podcast earlier in the week, will be the final show for this first part of what has been a very enjoyable season so far. We will return around when that League Cup uh, last 16 tie will be. So in the meantime, for that part, for one of the sections of it, we'd like to hear from you, dear listener. Now, I will do a real-time post on the Athletic app on Sunday, and I'll also send out a tweet if you could reply with the hashtag pod on the time over the weekend and we'll answer a few of those questions next week weird wacky your opinions your thoughts on what's happened so far questions for george and i and we'll go through a few of them you, you, to twat to, to, to twat or not to twat i mean that is what i assume everyone is going to be replying by and, and we will see whether your your referendum of, of views whether whether the the general newcastle united public agree with your views or not george also my pronunciation of miguel miguel almiron seems to be causing controversy in the twitter sphere yes i enjoyed that yeah i sent this to george because it was in our uh, conversation yesterday, a discussion before the match, that someone was asking me to correct George on his pronunciation. So being the least Geordie of the three of us, I very much enjoyed that. So yes, learn how to speak properly, George. Well, learn how to recognise a footballer, Chris. <laughs> touché, touché. Right. Well, anyway, that is that is the end for this podcast. Just before I go, do not forget to go to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod where you can sign up to The Athletic and pay just £1 a month for your first six months. And we shall be back next week, hopefully, with Eddie Howe's shithousing mags having vanquished Chelsea as well. So, toodaloo. See you next week. Athletic. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.